Hello and welcome to the Fence End Podcast. Um, right, so I I I know that the um, the Twitter account sent out a tweet a tweet a tweet saying <laughs> that there were technical issues um, and so there wouldn't be a pod this week. And those technical issues have unfortunately meant that Fraser isn't on this pod um, and editing is being done by a different source. Simon, you're doing it this week. Hello, Simon. I am. So, uh, hello. Uh, so apologies if it completely doesn't line up or anybody thinks it sounds worse than, than usual. Yeah. I mean, uh, that'll be me. the content's bad enough. <laughs> if the quality's bad as well, that'll be horrendous. Uh, and Paul, you're here as well. Hello, Paul. Hello. Uh, and we're hoping to have Fraser back next week, uh, trying to find a way to sort out uh, his his technical issues. Um, it's not Corona. Don't worry about that. Uh, obviously, we'll talk about Corona at some point in this. Uh, but um, as the the prime minister of this country said, we're all kind of bored of it. So <laughs> uh, anyone who hasn't seen the report, um, yeah, yeah. You, you don't know what that's on about, but I'm sure you'll be up to speed soon. Anyway, let's talk about football, because that's why we're all here. Um, Shrewsbury, 3-2. Um, interesting game, 2-0 down, obviously. Um, red card happens, and then uh, it was kind of just Oxford from then on. 88th minute, well, if anyone scores with 85 minutes gone... <laughs> Uh, it, it's likely to be one player. Isn't it something stupid like he scored 21 or 22 goals for us and seven or eight are in the last <laughs> last five or ten minutes? He, he, he's just got that knack. Um, but, right, uh, let's let's talk about the game. Simon, were you there? I was, I was. 2-0 uh, down, deservedly so. I thought, yeah, I thought we were we were quite sloppy. In the in the first half, I thought we you know we we didn't close down like we usually do, and we didn't defend as well as we usually do, and and they they were they deserved their lead. Yeah, uh, I think that's fair. Uh, then the red card comes along. Now, lots of uh, sort of outputs from Shrewsbury seem to be saying that it shouldn't have been a red card because other other tackles were going in and not being booked when they should have been. So. Therefore, it's not a red card, which doesn't make sense to me. If it's if it's two yellow card challenges, it's a red. It doesn't matter about other decisions in in my head. Um, but also the second one in particular, uh, Paul, you said something specifically about this to me the other day. So if you want to recap on that about the fact that you watched it three or four times to see yeah. if you could see why they were so annoyed about it. Yeah. So I watched it a few times, and at first I. I was watching it and thinking, it's a clear foul. What are they talking about? And it was only when I looked at both players, it was like, oh, well, actually, it could go either way. But if you specifically watch their player and keep your eyes on him, it looks like a foul. And that's what I think the referee must have been doing. He must have been doing that. And then his um, antics afterwards, I don't think. Happened. Well, yeah, this is, this is what I was going to say. Um, I wonder if the ref wasn't going to book him necessarily but the fact he was rolling around clutching his leg when he then saw the free kick was against him jumped straight up and yelled at the ref is that not you know simulation I I, I don't really I, I, I sort of really hope that the ref wasn't going to book him until he saw that because that really annoys me and our players do it and it annoys me when our players do it I don't like the fact Every time anyone is tackled, they clutch their leg and roll about. Um, it it really annoys me. And so to see him get sent off after that, uh, it, well, plus the fact we were 2-0 down and ended up winning 3-2, um, I, I don't know, that really annoyed me. What was it like when when you were there, Simon? Could you... Yeah, it's it's a tricky one because you again watching the the replays and, and obviously at this level you've only got the one camera angle. It It's... It's one, I think, where if that had happened the other way around, we'd perhaps be sort of complaining that it was harsh because there's there's an argument to say that Marcus Brown's foot was high and he was kind of leading with the studs up. And it, it, it as, a, as a, you know, as it's us, you know, we're always going to ch- shout for the referee and, oh, you know, penalty, foul, whatever it might be, without necessarily believing it. And it, yeah, it, it was, it, it's difficult to be absolutely certain 
without seeing it from multiple camera angles, which we're not, we don't get the benefit of. The referee doesn't. He he gives what he thinks he's seen or what he has seen and, and how he feels that went. And yeah, and like you say, certainly Marcus Brown didn't get up very quickly, but their player did. So that might just have swayed in the referee. The referee might be just going, okay, free kick. And then because he's perhaps not entirely sure, like you say, with the two players sort of pretending they're injured or being injured, maybe that's that has swayed him yeah um well, quite possibly and the um the response from the shrewsbury bench was very much well it's the referee's fault we've lost the game mm. however i would like to draw their attention to the same fixture last season where we were a man down and came back and yeah. and won it um so it's not game over you've just got to know how to manage the game and that is something we're seeing week in, week out with Robinson at the moment, that he's managing the game better than the opposition, um, which we'll get onto more in a few minutes. Yeah, uh, after... Grinding out results, like you, yeah. like you said earlier. You know, we're, we're, we're not playing necessarily wonderfully, but we're, we're getting it done. Yeah, um, I, I would say the last three games, if you just looked at the performance, you wouldn't go, oh, we deserve to win that. But that does even up from the Blackpool game, the Sunderland game, Probably the draw against Shrewsbury, I feel we should have won that one. You, you mm. look at those and you go, well, hang on, we are owed a few wins when we don't deserve it. But we are now five games, uh, a five-match winning run. It's not even just five games unbeaten. It's a five-match winning run. And three of those games, I would say we haven't been the better side. But it is about about those chances. Um, I would say there's a big argument to say... This is the time of the season that you go, it doesn't matter how you play, it's all about the points on the table. But do you feel less comfortable when we haven't been playing as well, but we've still been winning, uh, than if then in the like 17 games when we were unbeaten, a few draws in there, not too many, but a few draws. But I was going into each game going, oh, this will be fine, we'll win this. Um, because we were playing well. With us not playing so well, are you a bit more nervous? I, yeah, I can see where you get it. It's a difficult one. Do, do you go, well, actually, I'm quite content that we are grinding out results, so it doesn't matter if we don't play well, because even if we don't, we're getting the results and we've got somewhere to go. We can improve and play well and win as well. But, yeah, it's it's tough. This time of the season, it's just just about results. Yeah, I, I would completely agree with that. And especially, just as a, a point of um, of interest, I have, since the Ipswich game, gone on and watched Paul Lambert's interviews after each game. Because, <laughs> because after playing us, he said a few things, and then all the comments were, we've heard this before. But genuinely, if you watch each of his interviews since that game, and including that game... It's exactly the same. Oh, they've only had one chance. We should have done this. We were the better team. We've dominated. Ra 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 ra. Yeah, well, you're tenth, mate, or wherever they are now. You've got to find a way to to beat that to beat that issue you've got. Um, and whether that is the um the sort of the the unity that we have in the squad, um, I don't know. But we seem to be fighting for each other, and that's that's got to be positive i would say um but i i do as i said earlier i would rather we were playing better football and hopefully that will start on saturday um i say better but football I think when i think when you get to this state of the season it's different anyway because even those sides that you if you play somebody towards the bottom of the table they're fighting for their lives at the moment so it's it's reached that stage where yeah football's nice but every game is a battle you know, it gets to that stage where every point counts almost double because you're getting towards the crucial point. Yeah, it's funny how that works, actually, isn't it? Because obviously a point now is the same as a point at the beginning of the season. But mm. you you look at the people who got all their points early, mainly being Wickham and Ipswich, and you look at the table now... And they don't seem as valuable <laughs> as as yeah. players as teams mm. coming into form now. Um, when I did say that we weren't playing well, that is, I would say, the exception of that is the the three goals. I thought they were exceptional, particularly Adri's, obviously. But you look at the angle of Browns and the way he fought to get to the ball. Um, you look at Adri's finish, which was amazing, and then 
Ruffles finding that space and the ball into him, um, yeah, absolutely brilliant. Uh, I would say three goals that are, that make it worthy of a comeback. Um, even if they were scrappy, awful goals, I'd be happy. But the fact that they were they were well taken, you know, the the atmosphere there must have been amazing, wasn't it, Simon? It was good. Yeah, it it was. We we kept you know kept behind the team they kept going and i think that's something that the 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 the, the players have have recognized uh within the fans that we will keep backing them and and they keep going you know the i think almost getting repeating myself that that but the the level of fitness and and mental fitness as well after that tough Feb, you know how many nine games in february but mentally we're still going till the end of a game. You know, we could, you could almost excuse them switching off a little bit and getting back to two all. And then there was a bit of a gap, you know, it was quite some time before we got the third and you could, you could possibly sort of forgive them for going, okay, we've, we've, we've got back, we've got the point. Let's, let's not concede anymore. But we, it's, it's, it's very impressive the the level of mental strength and, and that desire to just keep going and, and, and believe that you're going to get, you know, believe you're going to get something at the end of a game. Yeah, I mean, from we we've thanked Shorty for so many things. Mm. Uh, well, so many times, always for the same thing. But we are, <laughs> um, if if you look at the one of the top scorers in the the top few divisions, aren't we? Um, I think we're second to Man City. Uh, most clean sheets. Those things are brilliant. But we are the highest in the last few, uh, the last fifteen last minutes. Fifteen, yeah. Um, yeah. That's so invaluable. And and actually looking at those last three games, two of them were won with goals in the last 10 minutes. That, that is, you know, is obviously the difference between two points and six. And you, if you take four points off of our total and look where we'd be in the table, that's huge at the moment. Um, it, it, we talked about it last season with the run-in and the fact we were scoring last-minute goals. We said if that can continue to this season, then brilliant. And, you know, here it is. And, and long may that continue. And yet still people leave before full time. <laughs> uh, I'll never get that. And I've got an hour and a half drive afterwards. Um, uh, yeah, I, long may that continue. Um, not the hour and a half drive. <laughs> the the <laughs> fact was going in the last minutes. Um, right, before we go on to uh, something that someone sort of tweeted in uh, a question for us. Um, I will talk about uh, the boring stuff and get the coronavirus thing out of the way. Um, so we've now moved into delay, which is basically it spreads out the peak issue, which means that we can, instead of us being hit all at once with the main issue, it's spread out so that you can sort of dilute the focus a bit and you've got longer to deal with it. Um, but... Sporting events haven't been put behind closed doors as yet. yet. Yeah. Um, uh, and the, their reasoning for that is, if you get it, you're likely to spread it to two or three people, but you're a lot more likely to do that if you are at home or sat sat with someone in a confined space than if you're in a stadium. Um, I don't know. <coughs> Sorry, that was that was genuinely just a random <laughs> cough. Uh, uh, yeah, keep that in, Simon. Um, I <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. Are we? Uh, I'll be there Saturday as normal, but are we going to be there feeling slightly uneasy? I don't know. It's a funny one. Yeah, I mean, it's. I can kind of see what they're saying. However, we're the only country who's taken this response, who has this amount of cases. Everyone else is suspending or um, playing behind closed doors, you know, in terms of sports events. You know, it, is everyone else wrong? Well, the thing is, we are apparently, in terms of numbers, four weeks behind Italy in terms of what's happening there. Yeah, and it all Italy, went brilliantly there. Yeah, but Italy didn't do this for weeks, or didn't stop playing publicly they they haven't they didn't take the steps that we are now taking four weeks ago so they're playing catch up now and we are four weeks ahead of them so 
I, I'm not saying that that we are right or wrong in doing this. I'm just saying we are taking action Italy didn't take four weeks ago. Whether that's right or wrong, we'll find out, I guess. The big thing... <coughs> sorry, I, I've got something stuck in my throat now. <laughs> this is awkward. Um, the big thing that I would say is if it goes behind closed doors, it's probably the the best solution in terms of making sure that we get the season done. But anyone who hasn't played Pompey away, or Pompey when, the, when Pompey are at home, Pompey in Portsmouth is at an advantage then because they don't have that big crowd behind them. That's just an example. You've got Ipswich are a bad example, but Sunderland, you've got a few teams that if if people haven't gone and had that big crowd against them, they're at an advantage. But also, if you look at MK Dons is local, will be close to sellout for Wickham, Pompey and possibly Bolton because it's um, it's such a big... Um, mm. you know, end of season game. Um, and that leaves us with one other home game, which is Bristol Rovers, which again will be close to sellout. So if that yeah. suddenly becomes behind closed doors, it doesn't look like MK will. We're too close to that now. But the other four, you're looking at four over 10Ks that we'll be missing out on financially. That's got yeah. to be yeah. difficult, hasn't it? I think it's it tougher for, for League One and League Two clubs than it would be for the you know, for the Premier League, with the because we're so reliant on match day revenues, and other clubs in our our level are so reliant on match day revenues, whereas Premier League clubs are owned in you know in general by very wealthy individuals, and the TV money they get is a much higher proportion of their revenue than than we get. It's, I, I, you know, I've seen so many people sort of saying what we should and shouldn't do, and there's lots of conflicting arguments, and it's it's a really difficult decision i think going back to teams that will benefit i think obviously you know the, the likes of wickham might might do because they're so used to playing in, in front of small crowds yeah yeah i mean quite <laughs> quite possibly uh it that being said how fleetwood function i yeah. will never know how are they competing i i don't get it with financial fair play i don't understand i know that away attendances it's the home team that get the money but 64 they took to Portsmouth. They took 64 fans. Ignoring the just the how are they functioning financially. Mm. How, are they, how are they drawing that game? With 64 fans up against 16,000. You, you think, oh, the home team has the advantage because the fans are on their side. I, ju- I just don't get it. I, I, it blows my mind. Um. Yeah, you've also got you know if they work out compensation or something like that for these teams, how do you work out what attendances there would be? Because as you pointed out, you're getting towards the end of the season. Some teams are going to have bigger games than others. Do you do it on an average crowd? Do you do it on stadium capacity? There is, there's so many questions to be answered if they go down that route. There really are, but the one thing I think none of us want to see is them going, okay, well, this season doesn't count. We'll start the next mm. season. That's no good to anyone. And, you know, particularly when you look at, I, I know Berry's been mentioned, but the the Bolton situation, do they get another deduction? Um, and does everyone then get a refund for everything they've spent on it? It just, it, it, none of it makes sense. I would love to think that they go, oh, we can't play any more football. Top three go up. <laughs> scrap <laughs> off the playoffs because we can't have those um, but at the same time I love football and I want to go and see it and it, even if I'm streaming at home I'll stream it at home that's fine um, yeah I, it'll be interesting to see what they do anyway yeah I th- and it's it's a conversation that, that would probably take up the whole of another podcast because it's there, there's so many variables in there you know do do they look at saying, OK, to, let's bin the Euros off because that will involve fans travelling all over Europe and that's perhaps not, not a great idea, but we're close to finishing you know, the, the leagues. So can we hobble through and extend the, the, the leagues after a period if we do go into some kind of, sort of suspension of it or play behind closed doors or whatever it might be? I think I think the Euros perhaps are the thing that, that go by the by. But then... 
that's where the money is. So are they likely to go? Well, actually, no. We want to. We want the Euros, but the leagues will stop. It's, it's difficult. It's, it's really so difficult. Many, and and yeah. I don't think there's an ideal situation, um, which you know is a pain. Uh, Robinson in his iFollow interview said that he would rather we had sort of two or three weeks suspended to see what happens, and then hopefully it's all passed in that time, and we end up going Saturday, Tuesday for three weeks to get the last eight games played um it, it, i mean there there are so many options but i i feel that i feel that the the worst one is like the one that makes the least sense even is saying okay well this season doesn't count we'll write it off mm. um yeah. i i don't think that makes i don't think that helps anyone um so hopefully that doesn't happen um the thing that we were we were tweeted about was um basically do we have the sustainability if we go up this season um do we have the sustainability to stay in the championship um i think we do and and funnily enough the radio um fans forum this evening that question was posed to to the financial man whose name skips my mind um and he basically said no <coughs> the um the accountant oh i can't think the financial director yeah yeah um you give him his fancy title i'll call him an accountant <laughs> um yeah so he basically said you get six million from the league uh that will all go into the playing budget or that could all go to the playing budget i also think tiger has a lot of wealthy friends and once they see, oh, do you know what? He's doing a great thing. Yeah, I'll hop on board with that. I would say that's very likely. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, I, just just taking it back very, very slightly. To, <coughs> and this is kind of linked in, again, to the coronavirus. And uh, if we suspend play or play behind closed doors, there's a kind of, I've, I've had a thought, you know, I think about this from a personal point of view. As a season ticket holder, let's say games are played behind closed doors. And having seen the accounts and the losses that the you know are being incurred at the moment, and the, and the fact that we're, we're running at a, you know we're running at a loss, do we sort of as fans go? Well, I've missed out. I you know I couldn't go to the game. I want my whatever it is match you know match fee or you know from a season ticket perspective, you know twelve pound fifty or whatever it would normally cost me to go. I want that back. I think as fans, if we you know we want a sustainable club. This is something that's completely out of the blue and that most of us will have, you know, budgeted for. We budget at the start of the season. We want to get a season ticket. I, I, I'd hope that the vast majority of fans, if if that came to pass and, you know, we, we were in a situation where we were looking at, OK, do we give refunds? I kind of hope that the majority of fans would go, you know what, I want I want my club, you know, to be around next season and financially more solid than wanting you know a couple of games worth of season ticket money back yeah i think the answer to that would basically be the the few fans i don't think it was many that did ask for the berry money back mm. would be the ones that ask for that back i think i think the sensible thing to do um was uh sort of mentioned in the whatsapp group by you simon um is to say right it, through iFollow, you can stream it if you're a season ticket holder, or you can buy a ticket that is ticket cost. Yeah. If you're a non-season ticket holder, I think mm. that's the sensible way to do it because then the club still gets the money. The issue comes when you've got teams like Wimbledon, who I only found out today, have not signed up to have that iFollow service. Right. Do you then give them special treatment or do they find a different... Well, you've got to sort out how your fans can watch it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess that's the sensible thing to do. Um, but it, it, that way the club still gets the money. Um, but, I mean, yeah. it's behind Yeah, the club gets the money. I know, you know, as, as season ticket holders, we want to watch the game, so it gives us an option to watch the game. Mm. People who buy tickets for matches or game by game well you know you can still pay you can still watch the game the, don't, the thing you'll you know, miss out on is you know 
parents yeah, and children. And... Uh, yeah, yeah. Or, say secondary spend. Sorry. You've got you've got parents and children. They're not going to buy. Oh, a family of four aren't going to buy four tickets. They're going to buy one subscription. One, yeah, yeah. But you've got okay, to, that's well, the the best of a bad situation, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I I actually think for anyone who. Um, like the other the other pods, I I don't know how many home games they come they come to because they're they're set in they're they're set <laughs> they live in Yorkshire. Um, they're more likely to buy that ticket to be able to stream it mm. than you know come down and watch it. Maybe yeah. say so how many fans have we got around the country? I think quite a lot. You look just look on Twitter. You've got Dorset Yellow and Leicester Yellow, and um, I know that Gem. Um, from Oxvox mm. lives up north, and you've got Highland Yellow. You've got obviously the fans abroad can watch it anyway. I I think that we've got quite a big fan base spread around the country that will buy those tickets when they wouldn't have necessarily gone to the game. So if that does happen, I think you know it all sort of yin and yang itself mm. out. Yeah, but it'll be interesting. Do they do they then have Radio Oxford at the game? Because that's not necessary. So do you have no, no. commentary? It, it would. Uh, it will be really interesting. Whenever whatever happens happens, it will be really interesting. Well, I, mean, I, I, I guess looking at what's happened with some of the um, Champions League and UEFA League matches where they've been played behind closed doors, but there's certainly TV coverage of those games. So you would assume that the the media coverage would would stay in place. You know, based on a uh maybe you know the radio oxford guys make sure that they're 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 tested and clear and and they can work together in the same way that they're working together at the moment either that or jerome comes and and does it and you know doesn't have his co-commentators yeah or they're sat a few yards away yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) well they've got the whole stadium then haven't they to, to pick from um yes uh so that would i mean Whatever happens for the rest of the season will dictate our budget for next season. Mm. We are already predicted to be 1.2 million up in terms of cup cup runs, plus the sales of any players and so on. Um, so that that's interesting. But with the fact we've this last tax year had a four million pound loss, which comes from a fair few things, not many players sold in that window. But also um, things being paid off, that sort of thing. Do you think we would have the sustainability if we were to get promotion? The other, the other point that I would be positive about is uh, Carl Robinson, when he was at Charlton, was very outspoken about the board. There was no, I'm going to hint at something about me not being happy. He was saying, I'm not happy here. I'd like to go. I'd like to go. At the end, that's exactly what he was saying. He wasn't hiding behind things. Um, I think he would he would say, "I'm not sure about sustainability," um, but also he had that issue at MK Dons where he did get promoted. He didn't have the backing, and so they came straight back down. I think he would do everything in his power before coming to the club to make sure that if we get promoted, he won't be in that same situation again. Yeah. Totally agree. There's a there's there's a lot to be said for not spending beyond your means, but I think you're right about there are some wealthy people that that have been involved on the board and and, and friends of Tiger and you know Eric was involved. He was on the board. He's not anymore, but he's certainly I'm I'm sure still you know there in the background. And and it's it's a, a an opportunity for them to put a little bit more in I, I, a lot of it will boil down to the, the stadium situation you look at a lot of the championship and premier league clubs who are sort of gambling almost with their futures to try and get into the premier league with with weird things around selling their stadiums to themselves obviously we can't do that because we don't own the stadium and it, it in a way that that almost removes a, a chance or, or, or a danger of of those sort of financial sort of trickery things going on that that can put a club's future at, at, at risk and it's you kind of hope um, and it's, it's certainly something that um you know I'm, that we as fans will will be very hot on and keeping an eye on how we how we fund 
a champion, you know, if we get into the championship, how we might fund a challenge in the championship. But it's it's long term sustainability is is hugely important. And I, I think you know, I think it would be an interesting. Even if we came straight back down, you know, even if we didn't spend huge amounts of money, if we came straight back down, you know, there's been a lot of clubs that have done that over the last sort of few years. You look at the likes of, of Barnsley and Rotherham and, you know, they've bounced up and down between League One and the Championship, where when they've got in the Championship, they've not gone at it with silly amounts of money. They've just, you know, maybe invested wisely, knowing that they're going to come back down. But when they come back down, they're in a strong position to go back up again and you... You bounce around a couple of times and then hopefully you stick. Yeah. Um, and just just sort of looking at the championship now, Luton might be mm. that team. Barnsley, you know, they... Oh, in fact, the bottom three currently all went up last season, didn't they? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Charlton, Luton and Barnsley. It does happen. And you would say, actually, Charlton and Barnsley in particular definitely have the foundations to hold their own. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, nothing's certain, but I, I, I would, I, I always try and be positive. That's sort of a, a problem that I have because I'm then left <laughs> disappointed. Um, but you, I think if you look at it logically, Carl Robinson would be stupid to come to a club that he didn't feel had that backing when he's mm. left well, from what I just said, two other clubs that didn't have that backing. Um, so, it, I mean, the the proof of the pudding will be in the tasting, as uh, as Fraser said. <laughs> and the reason we can be so positive about this is suddenly we, we... I mentioned a result earlier, but Tuesday night could not have been better for us. It was yeah, incredible. You, yeah. Uh, we went from third in the table to third in the table, but could have gone to fifth had Sunderland drawn or won um, and had either Pompey or Fleetwood won, we, we'd have dropped places. Uh, but it was a draw in the Pompey-Fleetwood game and it was um, Sunderland lost 2-0. Mm. Um, and have have now played a game more than anyone in the top um, top six. So that, that couldn't have been better. Uh, I know that our WhatsApp group was going mad. <laughs> um, I don't know. I've... It's rare that I feel as good as I do after a win on a day that we haven't played. <laughs> but I just kept on going, oh, that was brilliant. Um, and all I was doing was looking at the Sky Sports app. So that was good. Um, anyway, last night, there was the 10th anniversary of the um, uh, uh, amazing season that we got promoted from the um, from the conference. Um I keep saying um for this and I don't know why because I, I think it's just trying to pick my words. It was a brilliant season and watching all the the uh, stuff coming out of the club on social media, watching the iPlayer in, uh, iFollow interview with Chris Wilder, um, it's just absolutely brilliant and you get that buzz back. Uh, have you seen all of the all of the Facebook messages and? Twitter uh, and tweets going out and um, Oxford Mail stuff and then has everyone seen the Chris Wilder interview on iFollow? I haven't. I guess not. You have? I, I haven't, no, I must admit. Um, it's just really nice because he, funnily enough, he basically says what we talked about on the pod a few weeks ago, which was um, that he's really sad about how things ended because it marred something brilliant and he loved his time here. He looks out for, uh, this was from a different article, but he looks out for our results and is really pleased with how we're doing at the moment and that we're on the up. And it, it's sort of like he's had that, well, why do I have a problem with Oxford? Actually, no, <laughs> he's had that same reflection back. Um, and it was just really nice to see that interview and, and to see all the players back. Um, Chris Williams's article was brilliantly written, as always. Uh, have you read that? I have. Yeah, yeah, I did read that. I must admit, on the on the on the official club site, and uh, yeah, a little bit of a sort of uh, not a lump in the throat exactly, but certainly thinking back to a, a, a very important time in the club. You know how how important that promotion was 
Um, and like you say, it's nice that Chris Wilder's sort of came back. You know, he, he could have very easily said, no, sorry, you know, important time of the season for me. You know, send, send my best regards, but not come. And, you know, he's he's clearly got a soft spot for the club, which is, is lovely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and actually, if we if we just sort of say how wonderful that was, um, but also talking of Chris Wilder brings us on to our next nice nice feature. No. Um, yes. Where are they now? Which in a club that's only eighteen years old <laughs> in MK, the play <laughs> the players for both are um, it, it's a small group, and most of them are still playing. So we we're going to pick someone that sort of links Chris Wilder. Um, MK Dons, Oxford United, and Carl Robinson in um, George Bulldog. Uh, mm. So, Simon, tell me, where is he now? <laughs> well, funnily enough, you may have seen him on TV shows such as Match of the Day. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's, I mean, obviously, he's everyone commentator. knows where George is. He's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's doing Gary Lineker's job. <laughs> a lot of our fans would much prefer him to be doing that than Lineker, wouldn't they? <laughs> a lot of lot of our fans with a real soft spot for for George, and it, it's I, I, one of the sort of thoughts behind sort of where are they now? Well, we know where he is, but I think it, it's uh, it, it's also a kind of a look at you know somebody like Chris Wilder who sort of three or four years ago, if you'd have said, well, he's going to be managing a Premier League side who are challenging for a potential. Champions League or UEFA League spot and doing really well in the Premier League. You know, before he went to Sheffield United, I think some people would have thought, Are you sure? You know, and he's done exceptionally well with with players that have played for us at League Two level and just don't look out of place at all in in the Premier League. And and I think we've we've talked about Lundstrom before on the pod, but certainly George Boulder, the way that the, he plays as a an attacking wing back sort of wide on the right. I think it, it, it shows that you, that some Premier League clubs could do really well to look lower down the divisions for talented footballers who, because it's very easy. I, I, I can't remember the guy's name, but listening to the radio yesterday, they were leading up to one of the European games and the goalkeeper they had was a, a, a I can't remember which country it was from, foreign goalkeeper. he Played, he'd been at Liverpool for about five years, never played in the first team. And and there's there must be so many sort of players that come into the, the top clubs who don't get anywhere near the first team, cost them, you know, quite a lot of money uh, as as potential sort of you know, they're gonna they're gonna make a good career. Why why aren't clubs looking at somebody like George Baldock, who's had a career at the bottom level? And I think that's where you kind of look at our players now and think, well that might be Rob Dickey. You know, he could he you could see Rob Dickey playing for, in the Premier League. I think he's got that, that ability. There was a stat he, he's completed like twenty more dribbles than any other centre half this season. And 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 there's plenty of players at lower level who could easily do jobs in the Premier League. There's a lot of talent down here, and it just seems to have changed. Thirty years ago, the 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 top clubs used to mine the lower leagues for for top players. You know, we we did it with John Aldridge. You know, there's there's so many good footballers at lower levels who could easily do a job in the Premier League. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And you do look at um, like Roof is a, a great example playing in mm. Europe and um, and and a lot under the map era. And we're kind of back to that now with. Um, with Robinson, where we've got yeah. those those players that, it, funnily enough, they're, they're kind of yo-yoing, where we're getting them mm. from above, where they're not playing, we're playing them, and then they're going back up and playing. Yeah. Mm. And I, I think Lunny and Bulldog in particular, the fact that they're playing together in is... And we had them in League 2, not League 1. Yeah. Uh, well, obviously, we had Lunny in League 1 as well, but they, that just sort of marries together so beautifully mm. that they, as you say, they don't look out of place. And Lunny scored a fair few, Bulldogs scored. Billy Sharp's obviously a good example of someone who's played in all of the, the leagues. Um, yeah, I, I think when we were talking about who to choose as a played for both, um, he obviously stood out because he was exciting to watch, but it's a really good topic of conversation 
to say, you know, you, you get that sense of pride. And for a fair few years, we've looked at players like Charlie Austin and Matt Ritchie going into the Premiership. And mm. I've had that slight jealousy where, oh, well, they've played down the road. I, I don't like that we, we've had good players, sure, yeah. but we haven't had that those sort of premiership players or on the cusp of England or being talked yeah. about for England. Yeah. But now we've, we have. Yeah. We've, we've had, you know, the odd player here and there at the end of their careers coming in and, and sort of players we've heard of, but we, we had an awful long time where players left us and, and disappeared into sort of, you know, the, uh, the Northern premier leagues and places like that. And it's, it's nice that over the last few years, we've had players going, to the very top of, of the profession. Yeah, um, couldn't agree more. Um, and that's, that is championship as well, but, but you mm. know, George Bulldog doing what he's doing in the Premiership and, and Lundstrom, absolutely brilliant at the moment. Um, right, so, MK Dons. Um, it's, it, it, this has been said in everything I've seen out from the club, but it is true. It's definitely a game that you can look in the table and go, oh, this will be a doddle. But it it really won't, will it? Um, our it's record in terms of no, exactly. Um, the record in terms of games won in a row, league games won in a row, is six for Oxford United. So this is to make it six. We're playing against MK Dons um, in the form table. They're around mid table. They're they're tenth, um, I think. Um, but we've also now lost Holland for the rest of the season. So, but Woodburn's back, you know, travelled and, and so on. So, I mean, in that, in that left-hand space, I would personally go Brown on the left, Sykes in the middle, <laughs> and Henry on the right. That's what mm. I would do. But he tends to go Henry in the middle and Sykes on the right. Uh, and I think with those three players, there's an awful lot of... Uh time for them to, to swap around and move around and, and play in different positions. You know, any of those three could play in pretty much any of the three positions behind the centre forward. Yes. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, and behind closed doors the other day um, against QPR, Liam Kelly and yeah. uh, played and scored. George Thornton played the whole 90 minutes. So if, if you had Goran Brannigan and one of those two starting, the other one can come on. Mm. And and hold that other position. Uh, I I still think you'll always start with Matt Taylor if you can, and have the pace of Adri coming on, um, and and then back four. It it seems to depend whether Ford's fit, but it, you've got it's sort of Long or Ford on the right, Ruffles on the left, and then still currently Dicky and Moore. But Moore's wife is about to. Uh, give birth so that that will happen when it happens but again Massinho is looking like he's just about to be back so that's good ideally Dickie won't get booked and we'll be able to start <laughs> him but there is that um, so that's the lineup I would go with are there any additions other thoughts from either of you no we all agree no, how wonderful no, yeah. absolutely yeah no I think we, 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 we've got a fairly settled side haven't we you know the spine of the team is is pretty established now and we're we're sort of just uh, uh, tinkering a little bit around the edges occasionally but I think that's one of the reasons we've been kind of consistent is that we've we've had a, a settled side so yeah don't ain't broke don't fix it yeah yeah that's fair um well, yeah, a settled side that have been winning. <laughs> um, yeah. I did see a, a thing the other day, and this is perhaps the the answer to the right-back solution, which was a potential chant of, um, to the tune of, she'll be coming round the mountain. Uh, we've got more long dicky at the back. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? It's an option, an yes. option to have. But it, I, I think I prefer Ford there. I think he's slightly more creative, but... I don't feel uncomfortable when it's long. I, I just, no. wow. Wow. What a sound by that is. <laughs> That's staying in. Yeah. I'm not editing that out. Thanks. I'm not editing. I don't think I'm going to edit anything out. No. I don't know how to. <laughs> so it's going to be long. Yeah. <laughs> if there's any gaps, I apologise to any of our listeners. Yeah. Well, you know, they'll, they'll have to deal with it. It's, it feels a yeah. long week at the moment because where we've gone Saturday, <laughs> Tuesday, last week felt ridiculous. And, you know, this one, I, I, couldn't believe it was only Thursday today. Um, but anyway, uh, so we're playing MK Dons. 
What's the score going to be? Simon. I think I think it could be tight. They're they're, they're not losing games by huge amounts. Um, they're they're sort of sticking in in around games. So I, I think two one. I think we'll beat them two one. Okay, Paul. I'm going three one. I'm going three one as well. So that's why I jumped in with that one because I was I was going to do that. <laughs> um, okay, well let's hope that any of those can happen. Uh, you know, it is one of those things where as long as it's a win. Um, that's that's all that matters, really. Um, before we go, Paul, you said something controversial to me the other day, and I'd like you to repeat it on the podcast, which was, you think that Rob Dickey is the best centre-back we've had since Matt Elliott. Was that the name that you chose? Yeah. Mm. What, what are your reasons for that? I think that he... I don't think we've had somebody who's as comfortable on the ball as him. Um, and he's got the physical side as well. You're not going uh, to... It was a crazy amount of games into the season before somebody actually dribbled past him, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Mm. Sometimes he's getting a little bit caught out on pace. But it wouldn't surprise me if... He's, there's a few clubs from higher up that are sniffing around. He is, if Dunkley can go and play in the championship, and Nelson can, and Wright can, mm. I think he's a step on up on all of those. Well, the things I would say about um, Dunkley and Nelson, obviously not right, quite famously not right, <laughs> um, are <laughs> that the other two scored goals. Rob Dickey has scored for us, but he will win so many headers on corners, but not get them on target. Is that just the 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 chink in his armor? Is that the one thing that's missing that that stops it? I completely agree with you that he is a phenomenal centre back, and actually, I saw a stat the other day that was talking about the most dribbles by a centre back in the top four tiers, and the the person in second had thirty eight, and Dickey has fifty eight. It's that ridiculous. That's how well he's done with that. And at some point he will get tackled and will get caught out. But if he can do that, you know, 58 times out of 59, that's pretty good. Um, the, yeah, it, it does he need to score goals in order to get that attention from that tiny bit? So if, if potentially a mid-table championship side are looking at him now to get to that sort of higher championship side or premiership side is it the goals that's missing possibly yeah i think you've you've mentioned you know the only player i wrote down was probably jake wright to match match him in terms of sort of ball at feet kind of level i, th- I think he's got every chance of, of going and playing in the premier league and, and not looking at all out of place like we were saying about like Sabaldock and Lundstrom and other players who are doing it, I th- I think I kind of agree with Paul. I, c- I can't think of many that there are. There's, you could that you could say no, absolutely not. Here's a better player. I think mm. there's an argument, easy argument to be made that nobody since Elliot has been at, at his level. Well, wow. I think as well he had. I think last season he had a problem towards the beginning of the season, and that would be. He would push and pull and so on as much as anyone else, but he wasn't sly about it. Mm. And now he seems to be getting more sly. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it, I, I think mean, it's more more savvy, isn't it? Yeah. I, yeah. Shrewsbury did experience. not like him at all. Um, yeah, they, their fans really laid into him, but he's learning, and I think now he has learned. He's got all the um, things that you would want in a centre half, especially in the modern game. Well, the 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 same with the um, which game was it that he got stamped on? Uh, that crowd Ipswich. hated him, Ipswich, because they said that he was diving around all over the place. Mm. He is getting more savvy. Uh, whether that's working, like he trains with Jamie Mackey. <laughs> that, that's got to be something, surely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you talk about that when you you talk about Eastwood. Eastwood, it must help him with penalties to be training against James Henry and Matt Taylor. 
So you've you've got to have that as a centre back. That's what he's battling against in training, especially when they go starters against against subs and reserves. A lot of the time this season, it's been Dicky against Mackey. That that mm. you know what a thing to have to work against. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just thought that was an interesting thing, and I I like that we sort of we sort of agree. I haven't really thought about it hugely, but I can't put any compelling argument to say. No, Dunks was better because, or Nelson was better because, other than the goal scoring. But I think yeah. as a centre back, Dicky does stand out above them this season. Um, I think and he's still very young, isn't he? You know, yeah. I don't know, what, 23, 24, something like that, and and still learning the game. And and if he continues to improve at the level that he has, especially, I think it helps him playing now on the right hand side of the of the two centre halves. Um, it's his natural side and and he's he's going to be some player yeah i would to progress that's one issue i had with nelson last season as the captain i feel it was his responsibility to say i'll play on the left i know that you know the manager picks the team and so on but for i i don't know i feel he should have put himself up for playing on the left instead of the younger guy um but you know last season was what it was and here we are this season dicky's moved over and and what a player he is so Long may that continue. Indeed. Um, well, thanks very much for listening. Uh, was even uh, not only have we done a pod when we didn't think we were going to, but it's a lot longer than it <laughs> normally is. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we've had a, a lot to discuss. Um, we'll be back after the MK Dons game to discuss that game and to preview a game against Wickham. Mm. Interesting one. The in-laws will be... Uh, We'll be blanking me. Okay, so uh, thanks very much for listening. Hi, Tim. Hi, Rufy Roo. Hi, Hi, Andy. I hope we answered your question properly. Um, Hi, Kieran Ash and Shane. Yeah. Um, Hi. hi, Thanks very much for listening, everyone. And goodbye. Bye. Bye.